this is podcast five of five of the ACCA strategy series. Welcome to the Humanize the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. This foundational strategic principle that, you know, something that doesn't shift um, something that you, that you know that that is solid no matter what happens in the industry or what happens in you know the accounting industry and sort of the the niche that you're operating in and having something you know like having three pillars that or four pillars that hold up what you're doing um, I think that's a, that's an outstanding way to sort of think about it. What do you do to make sure you build a successful strategy for your accountancy firm? Well, you've got to both recognize acknowledge and respond to the inevitable trends that are impacting on your firm on the profession and perhaps even on your customers too but it's not just about responding to the changes it's also about building strategy on the things that are stable in time on this podcast you'll hear from emily inman and stephen pell two owners of two different firms in two different niche markets talking about their insights, their knowledge about the three things stable in time and the inevitable trends facing their niche, as well as the inevitable trends that are facing the accountancy profession. Let's go to the interview now. Yeah, so I'm Emily Inman. My firm is called Zinked. Um, We're quite new. We started April 2019. Um, And we're still quite small. There's four of us. Um, And we're growing quite fast, which which has been good. Um, And we focus on construction. Um, Predominantly firms from 1 million to 10 million turnover. Right. So what what was it that prompted you to focus in on construction, Emily? Was that from the get-go? Or has that that, that happened naturally? Or was it, you know, did you set out to be very much in the construction industry? Um, So it came about through a marketing niche. Right. Um, as advised by a famous accounting marketing advisor. Right. Um, but it's something that had been in the back of my mind anyway, because um, when I used to manage a previous practice, I just felt that we were very busy um, keeping on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very difficult um, to do. So um, it was something I'd, I'd already considered. Um and um, it just it just felt the natural thing to do. And also in my local area, um, half the businesses are construction businesses. Right. So, um, it's, a, so it's a natural thing to do given where you're located. Where, where are yeah. you, Emily? Where, where exactly so, are you? So uh, we're on the border of East um, London and Essex. Right. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so it just seemed the natural thing to do. Also, I felt that they have a lot of compliance. Mm. Um, so they have CIS and um, all sorts of things. And mm. now the VAT reverse charge. And um, quite often accountants, uh, they're... Um, weren't their preferred choice of client. Yeah. Um, I, I heard that. So, you know, my partner that I used to work for, he he didn't want to take them on at all. Um, so I just felt they were kind of had a lot of requirements and not a lot of support. Right. And even if they were supported, maybe reluctantly, which is um, if you're actively marketing into that sector, would give you a big advantage, wouldn't it? So how, how many how many construction clients have you now got then? Um, two years in, I guess. Yeah. So we've got about 100 Right. Um, various sizes. So some of them are, you know, are quite big jobs that we, you know, have a full-time person on. Mm. Um, and others are, you know, a bit smaller and growing. And Of course. So, yeah. Brilliant. 
brilliant. So started to 2019, four people, 100 clients specific to the construction sector. Fantastic. Stephen, do you want to give us um, a, a little bit of background on your firm, please? Yeah, so I'm a co-founder in a business called Iconic. Um, its previous incarnation was Pell Artists, um, right. which is a firm that I set up in uh, summer 2015 um, right. and started it with zero clients um, and, an, and a big idea and a big dream. Right. Um, and I decided right from the get-go to specialize in working in with music artists. I right. had experience working in the music industry right. and, I'd, and I'd been in bands before and kind of felt like I knew what I was talking about when it came right. to sort of connecting with um, people in the industry. Right. Um, and uh, sort of fast forward uh, five years, we grew to a team of about six people. Yep. Um, we were headquartered in, in London um, and um, sort of the start of this year, we merged with a, a, a firm out based out in New York of a, of a similar size in New York, uh, in, in New York. Yeah. All oh, right. Um, so iconic. Right, yeah. So iconic is now, um, you know, we're very US UK focused in, in, in you know, as, again, as part of our, our strategic uh, development, that sort of the global positioning was really important for us. Yeah. Um, but that's basically we're now um, a team of what are we 12 people together um, right. working remotely um and i guess we you know we kind of say that we we have sort of a, a presence in la new york and london right um and yeah we our clients you know we, we provide very specific uh, accounting solutions to people in the music industry the entertainment industry a bit more widely now so yeah. in, in, in film and tv yeah um, and it's mainly the sort of the creative personalities that we yeah. love to work with um and I, I suppose we kind of see ourselves as a niche within a niche when it comes to it, because we, you know, the, the entertainment industry is huge yeah. and we only sort of occupy a very tiny part of that representing the people and the personalities right. that sort of drive the creativity within that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we kind of feel that our knowledge runs very deep working with them and we speak the same language. Um, but what's, I suppose, a little bit different and what I love about what we do is our services business management driven and now that's a very sort of us centric model right. which is basically we take care of things for you right whatever 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 they look like from a financial yeah. perspective um and it's very different to how i was taught to be an accountant and, yeah. and how to deal with things from a um you know from a sort of a trained methodical perspective it's, yeah, from it's a, a lot more erratic yeah, yeah yeah um and it basically means that we have to, to mandate a stack of services in what we do. So we have to mandate things like bookkeeping and we have to mandate things like... Well, what do you mean when, when you say you have to mandate? What, what exactly do you well, mean? Well, we, they have to have it. So we can't deliver you our service. You insist they have it. Uh, well, yes. Right. Yeah. Insist. Um, and it means that basically they, you know, we, we can't deliver the outcome that they need. Yeah. Unless we do a certain, you know, deliver a certain set of services to them. Yes. Uh, but obviously we, we can't ex explain it in that way. Um, they have very specific needs. Yeah. Uh, our, our clients, um, they, they struggle to understand finances. They need someone to coach and mentor them a bit more than yeah. perhaps the, the, you know, the, the usual business owners that I perhaps trained working with. Yeah. Um, they're creative. They're very passionate. Um, they're quite disorganized. They <laughs> like to travel. They're spontaneous. They're aloof. They're laid back. Yeah. And we've had the polar to, opposite to, to being an accountant then. Yes. And we've yeah. had to create something that, that caters to that. Yeah. Um, and actually all the stuff that we want to do as accountants, 
like KPI reporting and all the, all the kind of cool stuff, it doesn't mean anything to them. And it's just, you know, we have to go back to basics and, de- and deliver well on that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's kind of the foundation to, to what we do. Which is, um, for, for, for me, Stephen, it was, if, you know, this podcast, the, the biggest series, Humanise the Numbers, is, you know, there's probably no one working harder at humanising the numbers than, you know, accountants like you who are serving that creative edge of the, 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 the industries. Would you take issue with that, Emily? Do you think it's, um, there are similar things at play when working with construction clients, i.e. in terms of that humanists don't know what they're doing and so on as, as far as numbers are concerned, what they do around the building side, or am I um, jumping to... It's usually the opposite. They're quite astute on these things and right. um, they have to control their projects very tightly. Yes. Um, there, there's, every time I look at it, I'm always amazed at how much goes into one project, mm. at the amount of different trades, the amount of um, different materials, all these components and all different yeah. professionals. And they have to manage and juggle a lot, a lot of balls at the same time. Yeah. And you know where they have long projects that they work on, their budgets are set, their price is set, and yeah. they have to really control their costs. Otherwise, it it's directly impacts their profit margin. So yes. actually, a miner are quite on the ball, um, and right. they're typically quite organised because they are juggling um, a lot of different elements. Um, so, so, so they yeah. respond quite well to the, 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 the clarity around KPIs to take you know the, the polar opposite view to Stephen there. Yeah, so I guess their KPIs are pretty much set in advance once they've won um, their contract mm. um, because it's you know predetermined and from um, the profit margin that they're going to get they're going to recover from that mm. um, that project. Yeah. So it's making sure really from that point on it's it's cost control mm. and as well they have problems with getting payments in. Um, yeah stage payments and things like that and they have to apply like a specialist subcontractors they have to apply mm. um and the quantity surveyors might not sign off that amount of work so it's kind of keeping track yeah, yeah. Like, keeping track of a lot of things so i um, think if we uh, if we were to set out to have almost two polar opposite perspectives the music industry and the construction industry would have probably been as as good as we could get so this that makes this this conversation this podcast really quite um valuable hopefully uh so we're, we're here to uh, talk um strategy and um being successful at strategically driving um our firms you know you your firm Stephen, emily you and, and and me mine and whoever's listening to this they're going to be wanting to look well what is this strategy thing about now we've already covered off in this series the um the big picture stuff around personal goals purpose vision and and, and the longer term perspective and the more uh, human elements around behavioral values and standards and connecting those values and purpose with the uh, all the stakeholders of the business you know the the the, the team the clients maybe community and obviously the the, the business owners too uh, we are now going to have this conversation around um if, if we if you if we all ignore the trends that are facing our industry now your industry, Stephen Emily, is accountancy. But I, I want to just park that for a minute and just see if I can get you to climb into the shoes of your clients and walk in their shoes around the what are the key trends that are impacting on the construction industry, Emily? And same, Stephen, what are the key trends that are impacting on the music industry? 
So, Emily, we'll get you to kick off first. And, you know, we may stutter and stall around this conversation, but it'll open up as we as, as we get into it. What, what are your first thoughts on that, Emily? What are the key trends that the construction industry are having to deal with now? Um, so, in terms of their kind of financial impact, I'd say um, there's increased regulation on the main contractors um, to become responsible for the behaviour of their subcontractors. So this is part of why they've brought in the VAT reverse charge because they're pushing the compliance onto the main contractors um, and the CIS and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a kind of regulatory financial um, trend we're seeing. Yes. Um, profit margins um, on the whole in the industry are squeezing and that's uh, due to uh, increased cost of labour um, and increased cost of materials, mm. um, especially over the last year or two where um, we've had Brexit and the pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, we saw an increased cost of um, timber and other materials, so that squeezed the profits. Um, Brexit and the pandemic as well has also uh, decreased labour supply, so that pushes price of labour up. As well, um, yeah. Yeah, so those things have, have been... Yeah, definitely a trend over the last year, 18 months. Eight months or so. And if, if I asked you to take a, a, a longer term perspective, so if we were to walk forward, say, five years, what, what things do you think are going to come to bear, brought to bear on the construction industry with that longer term view? Well, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a big push for environmentally friendly solutions. Um, and we're seeing that with some of our clients now where um, there are investing money um to improve their construction processes so they're more environmentally friendly right um, so that would be a big a big trend and, and obviously there's incentives there um for them to do that is there um, right okay what these yeah. gov government incentives this is yeah yeah so there's all the r&d um tax incentives yeah um there's also um vat rates lower vat rates and and things like that yeah on the energy efficiency materials. Right. Um, so I think we'll see a lot more of that. I do get a lot more um, inquiries from, from people who are taking on eco-builds and, and things like that. Right. So the, the, there's, there's, a, there's a big trend, a macro trend, if you will, then, on, on environment. Uh, what else? Um, so, yeah, so the increase, probably the trend, again, increased trend on compliance of main contractors. There's been a couple of um, scary um, VAT cases um, with main contractors being held responsible for the VAT behaviour of their subcontractors and right. um, losing out significant amounts of money um, uh, because they can't recover the input VAT and things like that. So mm. we're seeing a lot more um, increased compliance um, and that being pushed on, which which I think is probably quite a, quite a good thing. Yes. Um, and it will be once they've got kind of used to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yes, yeah, I think that trend will continue to increase. Right. And and presumably then that's changing the sort of cultural relationship between subcontractors and, and, and the main contractor, uh, Emily. What, what What's happening in terms of the way people are working together? Is there is there any sense that, that you know, the... The, the relationship management of, of, of things is trending in a particular way? I know that's a bit of a vague question. I'm just I'm hunting for, because uh, I don't know the sector at all. I was just wondering yeah. if there's anything afoot there. I wouldn't have said so necessarily, because they are quite astute and they do, you know, the main contractor will use 
um, quantities of A's to check the value of the work done to date and things like that. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I think that's quite, they're quite on that already. I don't see that will change anymore because it's kind of, because they are already very astute in those areas. Right. Um, I think they all um, tend to work quite closely together. Mm. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any problems there. I can't, you know, I can't okay. really no, um, envisage any, any more trends in that kind that of respect. To, well, presumably that, that labour supply piece is going to continue to be an issue for the you know, long, not just the short term, the long term because of Brexit. And therefore they're going to have to factor that into what, uh, what, what's involved in building costs going forward. So there's going to be a cost up pressure, is there not, in the, in the sector? Or have I mis- misunderstood that? No, that's that's what I would um, expect, um, and I think we've seen a price increase there already, and you know it, it probably would um, continue to yeah. increase. Um, but you, you mentioned earlier there's there's actual uh, price pressure from the customer down. So if we've got cost pressure up and, and price pressure from the uh, the top, where's the give on this? What's um, is what 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 are you seeing as that that's going to enable your clients to continue to be um, successful in what they're doing? Something's got to give there some way somehow, hasn't there? Yeah. So I guess it's you know it's the tendering process, isn't it? And in that they go through and in a way that kind of um, drives the prices down um, there's also big issues with um, retentions and uh, main contractors holding on to retentions and I know the government are looking to try and change that so um, they're aiming to remove all retentions by 2025 um, so I think that would be really positive because um, you're right, there, there is a pinch point and that often falls onto the subcontractor and they are at a lot of risk. Yeah. Um, and especially if, you know, they're, they're paying out a lot of labour and material costs up front before mm. they get the um, stage payments coming through. Yeah. And they can't be certain on the amounts and, and when they're going to come in. Mm. Um, so it does put a lot of risk on yeah. their shoulders yeah 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 um and with the retentions as well and um the- sorry emily would you just explain what what do you mean by retentions so um main contractors when they work with a specialist subcontractor will often withhold a percentage right uh, it's normally agreed in the contract uh, at the beginning but it's usually around five percent yeah um and they will hold that um of every application for payment. So usually the process is they'll, they'll apply for their payments on a regular basis, yeah. monthly or quarterly or whatever the agreement is. Yeah. Um, and the main contractors will withhold that 5% retention, plus they will have their quantity surveyor assess the value of the work done to date. So then there might be an amount withheld for that as well if they don't agree the value of work done to date. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and then retentions are held across the length of a, p- a project, which could be years. Yeah, um, and then they have to, you know, kind of apply to get that retention back. Um, and those um, retention payments are quite difficult because where the profit margins are tight anyway, and they've got cash flow um, from spending it all up front. Yeah, um, it can get it can become tight, and it does cause mm. um, firms to go under. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's why the government are getting involved to try and remove the retentions. Retentions piece, right? 
it's, it's, it's interesting because from if we're looking at that sector, your sector, your niche, strategically, we're having a trends conversation. But what it's doing is signposting the core challenges in the sector. And if they, you know, if, if they're getting progressively worse and your clients don't tackle them, then essentially the, their, their world's going to get tougher and tougher if just from a profit margin perspective. And it's that what you've done brilliantly there, Emily, is just signpost the impact of, right, let's look at the key trends and the impact it's going to have on that business, that construction business. Um, which will, by definition, point to both internal and external challenges, which is the uh, another part of the you know strategic mix. Because if you build strategy and it doesn't deal with the difficulties that you're going to face, then it's just ivory tower strategy, which isn't worth anything to anybody, is it? Thank you very much, Emily. That was brilliant. So, Stephen, what's um, let's have a look at the the the, the, the key trends facing the um, music industry, which has been in profound flux for a long time. I know this because my oldest friend's the um, leader of a, a record company. Um, and I've got two sons who are actually performers, so uh, this one's close to my heart. So what trends are you seeing in the sector that you've served um, for the last... Uh, well, I mean, certainly it, when, I, when I sort of first started, uh, I set up my firm, there was a, a sort of real confidence and a recovery happening right. with, the, sort of the, with the streaming platforms launching. Yeah. Um, and sort of, the, you know, that there was a sort of a, a real feeling that things were sort of moving in the right direction, and they did. Um, and mm. actually in line with that, the live music industry just grew and grew and grew over mm. the past five years um, and would have continued to do so if it hadn't have been for obviously a certain uh, little virus. Yeah. 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 Um, and so obviously I, you know, I, I've got no doubt that that will come back. And actually what I'm seeing now is that, you know, all of the, not all of them, but a lot of the contracts that were in place a year ago are mm. actually not still being honored right. and the artists are getting those back. Right. Um, and and actually they're trying to get more shows in, you know, to sort of make up for lost time. So right. there is a bit of a bounce back. But what that's happening or what that's creating um, is uh, it, there's there's more artists now than there was for the amount of shows that are available. Yeah. And so that's cre creating downward pressure on the on the prices and in their show fees and the contracts. Right. OK. Which is obviously having a knock on effect to, you know, the, the income, the profits they thought they were going to be earning. Yes. Um, and so that, you know, the, there's a bit more power uh, in the hands of the agents rather than the artists when it comes to negotiating the deals around the, the live performance fees, for example. Right. OK. Um, but I've got no doubt that over the next few years that will that will, you know, I, even itself settle itself down yeah, even yeah, itself yeah. out and we'll be back and the festivals will be back and you know the music industry will be booming again mm. um and that's obviously critical to what we do as well you know we, yeah, we support yeah, yeah. the sort of the live music industry and the, the business management around that is is very much wrapped into our service yeah um another sort of tr a key trend that i've noticed over the past five years since the sort of the, the launch of the streaming services it's meant that artists there's, there's more artists now that can self-release because the barriers to entry to, to the market are, are reduced. It doesn't cost much to record and release. Mm. Um, you know, there's all these aggregators and platforms out there that, you know, you, you just pay a, pay a flat fee and, and you can release your music. And suddenly yeah. you're getting these artists that are becoming overnight superstars from, you know, what they're doing on YouTube or, or TikTok. And they, you know, and they're not signed to a record label. They've got nothing behind them. They're just, you know, making yeah. music in their bedroom and, you know, they they suddenly got careers and a million pounds in their bank account yeah. and without you know and so this is happening to more and more artists 
Isn't that um, a rarity? Is that the exception that proves the rule that most aren't though? Stephen, uh, yes, yes. But then if you look at what the, if you look at the trend, there's more there's more artists right. sort of making a living, I yeah. suppose now yeah. from their music, and they have the ability to because yeah. they have they don't have the costs or the overheads. They're not signed into into record deals, which give them an advance that then take away their you know their future earning their earnings. Power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so they can last longer. They can then reinvest in their music, and, and they've got mm. careers that they can then build up. And then they've got more bargaining power when it comes to, to signing mm. a record deal. So um, that's that's only something that's really been made possible in the last five years or so because of the uh, the fact that these, these streaming services have popped up yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and put money so, back into their pockets. So you, you touched on there's a power shift from artist to agent. There's, you know, if I understand the sector, there's been a, uh, you know, you've got the, 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 the massive, you know, was it three massive record labels, you know, Sony, UMG, I don't know, whatever the other one is. Um, uh, is, is there a, uh, are we going from this big macro industry to one which has got lots and lots and lots of more different independent, you know, there's always been ind- independent labels. Is, is, is that a trend that's, that's building or is, uh, am I, am I just a bit of an old footy duty talking about an old industry uh, as opposed to what's going on in TikTok and the social media channels. No, you're quite right. There are a lot more. In, well, I mean, from my perspective, there are a lot of independent record labels that are starting up because it's so easy to do so yeah. now. Yeah, it's yeah, almost, yeah. you know, you just plug into something and all yeah. that you have to, to do is the marketing. Yes. You know, and if you've got the network and the assets, then you're a record label. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, so it's very easy to take it to market now. Um, but actually what I'm seeing is that these artists are the record labels themselves. So they're not releasing other people. They are the record label. Yes. And that's what we're kind of seeing this ecosystem of the sort of the sort of the cottage industry of being a creator yeah. and creating these digital assets. Yes. Um, which, you know, which can scale very quickly and yeah. can transcend international boundaries. And you can and, you know, find yourself six months later ending up on a on a worldwide tour. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. so it happens so, so quickly. Yeah. And, and and that's that's a, perhaps a challenge that I think I, you know I wasn't around in the sixties and seventies you know when the industry was old school but you know careers from what I've seen you know in fact I, I I was talking to my business partner the other day about some of the fee he was uh, I think one client we charged three hundred dollars a year and now I think it's um, I think we're charging like ten thousand dollars a month for the right. same client the same client and, right. and it's. For this, and it's you know that's just because of the the trajectory of the, of the of client that and the, client, know, the services that we need. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, and and that's within a, a couple of years. Yeah. So it's it you know that's that's made possible by by these sort of changes, and I I think that's only gonna with technology mm. and the speed of change and being able to get uh, data yeah. into people's hands yeah. and the speed of which that happens. You know, the speed at which you can get a song played from Spotify and from that that song then being paid and put into the client's bank account. Yeah. You know, the, the major record labels and all these technology companies are doing their best to outcompete each other to get that done as quick as possible. Mm. And that's the train change that's driving the, the, the sort of the, the music industry. Yes. About who can be who can, who can pay the quickest and who can be the most artist friendly. Yeah. You know, and then that that creates challenges for us as accountants, of course, because we need to be able to map that, yeah. and we need to be able to aggregate that, and we need to report that back and verify it, yeah, yeah, and make yeah. sure it's correct. Yeah. Um, and the other thing to add on to that, with the sort of the, the digital changes in the music industry, particularly to artists, is um, cryptocurrency, right, and NFTs, and how such a huge part that is now playing. Really, and this is only something that's really happened in the last few months. Yeah, um, but. 
our clients are now would uh, there's two separate things here but they would have been awarded cryptocurrency for going onto a platform like a, a version of spotify in the early days yeah and now they you know it's worth huge amounts of money yeah. that they got free you know yes. and so and now they're dealing with these kind of currencies and yeah they're, they're, you know they're trading assets yes through through the, these kind of things as well so this is a huge uh shift yes in uh, that's a good word isn't it shift because that's that you know there's the trend but the sh- it's like you say shift and it's like actually mm. we're in a completely different world once it has shifted yeah because i think with a trend you can map it yeah. and you can see it yeah but this happened i mean you know pretty much over the last few weeks yes. you know or months yes and it's kind of just hit it's just sort of hit us in the face and you know we need to sort of and work you need out to how be we right on top of that yeah 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 uh, but it's uh, uh, emily have you seen anything in and around the, the the cryptocurrencies in the construction market or is that just that's just not that's a no-show in your sector not for us yet no all right so there's something that's showing up in the the general media but in, it's having an impact on the music industry, which is, you know, to use your language, Stephen's more of a cottage industry. But all of a sudden, cryptocurrencies are showing up in that world as opposed to the construction industry where there's big money projects. And it's not uh, it's not showing its, uh, it, 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 its face yet in that sector. That's interesting. OK, so so we've had two, two conversations there just uh, in, uh, you know. 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes uh, each around the, the key trends in that, that those sectors, which... Um, if people in those respective sectors, the construction sector and the music sector, ignore them, then uh, common sense says they're, they're going to be on a rocky road to ruin, aren't they? It's as you know, black and white as that. So as to accountancy firms, what do you think the key trends are facing the accountancy profession that we've got to be aware of and um, be reflected in our strategy for our firm? This is where it's pregnant um, pause and tumbleweed, isn't it? It's like, all oh, right, I can. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we can analyse another industry, but now, now let's look at ours or yeah. yours. <laughs> I think it's quite an exciting time in our industry at the moment. I think um, the technology now we're all kind of it's it's standard. Um, it enables us to work with clients, you know, wherever they are. So that means that we can work with clients who are more matched to us and our business which helps us to work you know work with construction firms all over the the uk not just in the local area that when we started out yes um so that's that i think is is going to be a really interesting trend because i think it will allow accountants to work really closely with their clients yeah and the pandemic as well has helped us that because we've always been a virtual practice we've never had a central office um but before the pandemic you know zoom was um we had to kind of tell people how to use it and uh, hope that they would and encourage them um but now it's standard so it yeah. means that we can um now our clients say to us oh just jump on a quick zoom and it means that we can really get involved with the problems um that they're having like they might um you know have have an emergency yeah um, quite often cash flow related yeah and we can just jump in and work with them so it means that i th- i feel that we can get a lot closer um to their business and and really support them more yeah give them what we what they need in that respect so i think it'd be really, really interesting to see um what people do with that what other accountants do and yeah yeah it, it it's absolutely right i mean isn't it if you're you're in a niche um and something like construction and geography would have been, if we walk back five years, would have been a, a big issue. And, and that's got less and less over the last five years. But in the last 12 months, it's, 
not vanished because it never does completely vanish, but it's mostly vanished. So you you were able to deal with a construction firm in the UK and Scotland just as well as one in Wales, just as well as one in in East London. So um, that's a, a a shift as opposed to a trend, but it's a trend that um, firms will or shift that firms will either respond to or they won't respond to. And it's interesting. I'm having lots of conversations with lots of firms about what are you doing to make sure that you've got eyeball to eyeball contact, not mobile to mobile eyeball to eyeball contact because like you say you get much closer to your clients that way and if they've got a thorny problem they want to see you they don't want to just talk to you um and therefore you you diminish the miles apart because you are eyeball to eyeball um so technology yes uh, connected with the pandemic equals zoom is a standard and most people can use it even my 82 year old mother can use it um uh, if she watches this, she'll kill me for saying that. Um, um, uh, my dad's just about mastered it, but he's still struggling. Um, so there's that. Uh, are we doing local? Are we doing national? Are we doing international? That uh, Maybe there's a way, ways and means that, that that's trending so we can be relevant to any construction in business anywhere in the world, maybe even, Emily. Stephen, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think is trending in our, our your profession? Uh, yeah, so I, w- I was, uh, you know, echo what Emily said and say technology is is driving our habits in in how we're in how we're working. Um, it's you know the fact that you know the the transactions pop up that need reconciling every day makes you do them every day or makes you want to do them every day and keep things up to date. And it's it's driving habits that perhaps we didn't have a, a few years ago when you yeah. when, you know when you didn't have the technology driving this and, and and making things a lot easier. And it's changing the way that we do things. Yeah. It's changing our rhythms. It's changing. Um, you know how we how we map out our processes, how we think about which order certain processes go, and it probably changes what we call our services as well. Like, what is bookkeeping now? Actually, it's it's actually combined, you know, combination of many different processes yeah. um, into one. You know, it's not just you know, there's a sort of the, the the reconciling you know aspect to it, but then there's the transaction matching and the month end close, and you know, there's there's different parts to it, and it, we kind of think about it differently and. Mm. Um, so there's a technology that's that's driving that's driving that, um, and I suppose as well that uh, I guess the other trends, which is probably happening in our firm, is that now we're pretty much settled on the fact that we are a remote firm, right? Or or a cloud, you know, a cloud, hundred percent cloud, remote. Um, I mean, it's it's not something that's happened, it, uh, you know, overnight. It's what we it was intentional for us to be that, yeah. uh, but it was kind of been forced through the pandemic, and I think that's going to be the same as a general trend, perhaps, for a lot of firms. Yeah. That you know now they've experienced the sort of the the working from home, and and they've had to, you know, make sure that uh, it works. Yeah. And that you know, and and actually, what we found is that we're more productive. Really. We're, we're we're doing things better. You know, we are. You know, our communication is a lot better. You know, we we, we you know this. We make more of an effort um, to you know to make sure that we are speaking with each other and, and, and doing things in the way that we need to do. Obviously, you know, we we miss out on certain things by doing that. But yeah. um, you know, it's it's certainly a, a trend. Um, it, it that you know we've sort of risen to the challenge to to try and meet. Mm. Um, <sighs> I guess sort of, yeah, they're sort of the, the main, I guess the other thing I would say trend wise is that things seem to be getting, it's probably something that every generation will say more and more complicated, right? You know, the, the legislation, there's always a layer of legislation that gets added on to something, you know, we've had, we've had the, the coronavirus, you know, that there's going to be, you know, that's a whole layer of things that's been added on to something that wasn't there before. Um, 
you know, and that's got you know huge consequences for, for all future legislation that's going to be rolled out yeah. as, a, as you know as a result. Um, and you know, same with the complexity thread, technology brings that level of complexity. You know, our clients, you know, they 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 don't really don't really care about the technology. Yeah. They care about the outcome. Yeah. We care about the technology yeah. because it makes our job easier yeah. and it's a trend for us. But I, d I think we've got to not lose sight of what's important. Yeah. Um, and we can get easily distracted. And I'm very guilty of that. Right. You know, I think we're, we're sort of going back strategically and putting apart everything that we thought worked mm. and actually putting it back and streamlining it and make things more simple mm. and just delivering an outcome that, you know, rather than, a, you know, something that looks like what we should be doing. Yeah, that's interesting because there's this, um, there is a tendency. And if you look at virtually every website of every accountancy firm, with a few exceptions, you'll see a list of services. Uh, you won't see a list of outputs. You'll see a list of services, uh, which is connected to the technology that you're using, as opposed to actually we're here to resolve certain issues, deliver certain deliverables, outputs, um, and, and getting a focus on that. But I guess it's um, strategically, because this is a strategy conversation, you go, oh, right, what, what is it you use to drive a sense as to what you're here to do? Why are you here? Well, I'm here to deliver a certain set of outputs, but to whom? And for you two, that's relatively easy because you've got a real crystal niche-oriented view of your client bank. So if I ask you, well, who are you selling to? You know, it doesn't take you 30 seconds to get a really give me a really crystal picture as, as to who you're serving. You look to a general practice, they've got a much harder job to do on that. Um, now, what's interesting is right at the beginning of the pandemic, about five weeks, six weeks into the first lockdown, I spoke to a, um, someone I've worked with for a number of years, actually now a good friend, uh, accountancy firm. Uh, their niche was the um, hospitality sector. Um, not a good niche from an accountant's perspective because uh, it essentially shut down. Um, and he was, um, he went uh, pretty dark um, really quick and made loads of decisions because it was, you know, in inverted commas, uh, disaster. So there are, there are downsides to the niche piece depending on who knows what might happen um, out there, um, like the pandemic. Um, if you can actually say like a pandemic, I don't know if that <laughs> actually makes no. any sense to anybody. Um, yeah. But it's, well, we have to do it. Your output comment, though, I think, and I guess the question I'm driving to, uh, Stephen, is how, how do you determine what those outputs are? Yeah, so to make I mean, sure you're the, on track. Yeah, so so it, I suppose it's out, outputs and outcomes. Mm. Um, it's making sure that um, you know, like we we know very well um, what you know what keeps our clients awake at night. Right. We know exactly when you know we know exactly how we need to communicate to them. Yeah. To be able to give them that peace of mind. And right. to, to get to give them that reassurance, yeah. we know how often we should be contacting them so that they don't feel anxious. We know when to be proactive, when to, when to take a step back, when to sort of step in. Yeah. Um, but it's also how much hand holding do they need, and you know the way that we deliver our service to, for it to be scalable, we obviously have to have it. We have, we have to deliver outcomes. We basically deliver three three options, and they're basically three levels of outcome. Do you want us to take care of everything? Yeah. This is the top price. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah. We can, you know, you don't, we, we'll, we'll check in, you know, once a week or once a month yeah. 
you know, you know, you, we've got your back. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. This is premium. Yeah. And then the second outcome is, okay, well, look, you know, I need to know a bit more about what's going on. Um, you know, I need to feel, I'm, you know, I'm going through a bit of a tough time. Mm. You know, I need this information, this regularly. Um, can we check in this often? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm willing to do a little bit for that. You know, I don't mind going in and, and you know, not doing it as often, yeah. for example, yeah, yeah. but I still need, and then the next one is the, sort of the base level being the light you know, touch. Look, yeah. The light yeah. one being look, you know, we'll, you know, unless you, unless we do your, um, bookkeeping so that it drives your tax because, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you, the tax taxes are covered yeah. that you're, you know, you're never going to miss a tax payment and everything's far properly yeah. that, you've got enough money in your rainy day fund is what we call yep. it or you know now might as well be the pandemic fund um and <laughs> i much prefer the, the rainy day fund so, yeah, yeah so do i and 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 also just making sure that we've, we've sorted out the sort of the the, the compensation strategy you know mm. um and that really they're, they're the three things that are most important to, to our to our clients mm. um and it's we deliver outcomes based on those okay. and, and how much hand holding they need right. Okay, I, I, there's something I want to share, which is connected with the three things stable in time, which is the flip side to the inevitable trends, the things that are changing. There are some things that are really stable. But before we dive into that, um, Emily, I, I just want to talk about this outputs, this outcomes thing, you know, the outcomes focus. What is it that um, signposts for you what outcomes you're looking to deliver for your niche construction sector clients? So I guess um, we're looking to make their processes easier right. because they are really complicated their bookkeeping is really complicated um because they have a purchase orders and lots of components and lots of suppliers and lots of labor on payrolls or, or through subby runs and <clears throat> cis it's all really complicated yeah and a lot going on so um we we're trying to automate as much of that that can be automated but also to service it at the same time so that it all goes smoothly and everything's, you know, done properly. Because obviously if you just leave it to the automation, that's great, but it's it's not going to come out right at the other end. Yeah. Um, so that's our focus, so that that all goes through. Um, for the, for our bigger clients, that goes through daily so yeah. that the reporting and the, and the numbers are available daily. So if hard decisions, quick decisions need to be made, um, they can be made. And that also all feeds through into the cash flow. Cash flow yeah. in the industry is tight. So um, cash flow, I guess, is, is the main focus. So it's making sure everything is up to date and, and, and properly done so that the right decisions can be made. Yes. Brilliant. So that's probably about our key output. And then also... It like sounds very different to, to Stevens, doesn't it? It does sound very different, yeah. which you'd expect in two very, very polar opposite sectors. Go on, Emily. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, I guess it's quite—it's a bit more process-driven because of the volumes involved mm. um, and the amount of um, you know uh, matching involved and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I was just going to say the other outcome is to you know to to be close with the uh, business owners because mm. um, so, they don't they don't often know what what it is they need um, and might not even ask. So you know, as long as we're having those regular conversations about things, things come up and. Um, you know, we've normally got a solution or c can do a workaround for something because the, although although they're all in the same industry, they're very different. Yeah. Very different requirements. Yeah. Um, they might have different divisions doing different things and um, be set up in different ways. So it's quite quite unique to each of our clients, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what what I've just heard you both say though there is uh, what we need to do is um, get close and stay close, depending on 
how close the client wants us to get. And and then if we connect that with the Zoom thing, the eyeball to eyeball bit means we can do it more regularly without having to spend too much time on the tube and trains and planes and and cars. Um, that's interesting. So let me let me share the, um, the the flip side to the. Sorry, if I, I'm I'm if I'm grimacing because I've I've broken my arm in the in the last week. So I, I keep trying to use it as if it was normal, and then realise that that doesn't work. Um, inevitable trends. So we've had so far we've had this conversation about things are trending. Um, you know from. Five years ago, from a year ago, the pandemic, um, Brexit, and all the technology, political, economic, environmental trends impacting on our sectors uh, in slightly different ways. So strategy doesn't work unless it reflects and responds and embraces those trends, naturally. Um, but the, this, uh, I, I want to signpost a conversation that a journalist had with Jeff Bezos. So Jeff Bezos, um, you know, founder and head of, uh, of, of Amazon. And uh, this journalist asked uh, Jeff Bezos, so uh, go on then, Jeff, what, what's going to change over the next five, ten years? And, and he responded, well, with, well, it's interesting. Everybody wants to know what's going to change over the next five, ten years. But nobody wants to know what's going to be stable in time over the next five or ten years. And at Amazon, we build our strategy on three things stable in time. Which I just thought it's like you know proper put a journalist in his um, in his pocket. I think it was a male, um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and for Amazon, what's stable in time is, and he didn't use the exact words. The, he, he said it in a slightly more uh, cryptic way, but essentially he said, look, what's stable in time for Amazon is our clients love us because we've got this vast collection of of product. You know, it's huge, it's cavernous. So that's number one. They love us because they know they can find anything. I've just been looking for an oil-fired radiator. Well, you know, well, I just go to Amazon. You know, well, yeah, but it sells books and CDs, isn't it? No, well, oh, streaming services now. Sorry, Stephen, that was me stepping back in time. Um, so it's vast. Next is um, they know we'll deliver quickly. They love us because we'll deliver fast. We'll deliver tomorrow. If you're in certain cities, we'll deliver same day. And last but not least, uh, they love us because they know we'll be price competitive. And... Amazon are building all of their strategy pieces. Yes, they're reflecting and responding to inevitable trends, but they um, very much have got themselves anchored to building from the stable platform, which is three things stable in time, which I think, Stephen, in a roundabout way, is what you were trying to describe in terms of you know, what, what keeps clients awake. Well, if you can deliver outcomes that are connected to that and give them peace of mind, then you know, you're, you're in the right territory. And it's um, my chance to you would be, and I just, I'm just going to give you a bit of space to think about it. What do you think in the music industry for you and your firm, the three things stable are in time for the music clients? And then, you know, the same to you, Emily. It's, um, you know, to say yours is, Emily, is, is process driven. It's about reducing stress around cash and stress around the complexity, making it easier for them. Um, you see, you, you really are tapping into, ah, oh, right, if we can work out what our three things stable in time are, your messaging, your marketing messaging strategically gets crystal clear, which taps into people that fit exactly what you're good at. Um, I think it's a really interesting piece, don't you think, with that Jeff Bezos, three things stable in time. Stephen, let's come to you first. What do you think your three things stable in time are? Um... So I've sort of scribbled down a couple. I mean, um, I think the the sort of the the, the structure and organisation will always need to be there for our clients. Whatever the whatever happens right. in the industry, right. there has to be a solid base. Yeah. You know, it's almost like you've got this 
you know, the, you know, the solid foundation and everything else sort of grows and spirals around it. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that is why our clients come to us because what they, what do you mean by want... solid foundation? So, I mean, so they, they need someone to watch someone to, to have their back, right? someone to keep them financially organized, yeah. someone to make sure that, you know, all the, you know, that they're collecting, all, you know, the money that they're owed, yeah. that they're, that they're, they're, they're paying their suppliers, um, that they're not getting, you know, that all of their contracts and deals, you know, they've got a numbers person looking, looking over them yeah. um, and that they feel secure. I don't think you can be creative without that security. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's what they want when they come to us. You know, they want to not have to think about yeah. it. And whatever is happening in the world, that I think that, I mean, that's probably part of, you know, one of Maslow's hierarchy of human needs is that you, you need to have that in able, able to build, yeah, yeah. you know, the rest of your, your, your career. So I think, you know, that for us would have to be foundational yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in, in, in what we offer. Yeah. So, um, and, and interesting that you point to that emotional payoff. And I think that's, um, Jeff Bezos doesn't talk about it in the interview, but actually he's pointing to an emotional payoff, not just a tangible, functional, financial payoff. Mm. You know, mm. I go to Amazon because I just know it'll be the right price, it'll get delivered, and it'll be, it, chances are it'll be in stock. Um, um, very good. Emily, what, 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 are you, what are you thinking your three things stable in time would be for your specific niche? So it's very similar to Stephen, actually, and actually our strap line is <laughs> building solid financial foundations for construction businesses. Right. And um, that's our, that is our strap line. Wow. Um, but I think um, one of the, that is the beauty of niche in a way is the stability because the, the niche you've made a commitment to your industry. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're getting the kind of stability from knowing that you're committed to that industry and they, they know, um, you know, as soon as they, before they talk to you that you're going to understand um, their issues and, and what they're facing in, and, and the industry. Yeah. Um, so that kind of gives that kind of security. I think as well, and particularly as construction businesses start to grow, they get to a point where they're starting to feel like they're losing control of some of the financials, especially when they get to the point of recruiting a full-time bookkeeper or a couple of people to do that kind of thing. Then they kind of can feel that they're losing um, control over the situation. Mm. And, um, uh, and my niche are that kind of type of people that like to have that control. And also they have to, because as I said before, the projects are, are, you know, very complex and full of different elements. Yeah. Um, so as they can, as they grow, they can start to feel that they're losing that control. If they've got one person who sat there kind of holding all the financials and they've got to ask for this report and ask for that report. And, yeah. um, and then that person's busy and, um, that kind of thing. So, I guess that's what we help them to do mm. is um, to open that up. So moving it to more so that it's the information is, is available mm. and they're not reliant on that kind of one person who's um, holding it becomes a bit more transparent. Um, and, and the third one is transparency. The directors, they want to, you know, they're always going to need to know what's going on with their financials and have and need good insights there. Um, they, I think those things are never going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got that uh, sense of control of which availability is a, is, is a part of that, um, you know, understanding and knowledge, you understand them because you committed to them and, 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 and the knowledge is there at their disposal whenever they want it. And then that sense of security, certainty, stability, um, which sound like three, you know, aces in the pack, don't you think, in terms of, and it's, you know, 
if, if you're making the most of those messages around those three things stable in time, like Amazon done, maybe you'll experience the sort of growth that um, uh, they have experienced. Who knows? Um, and uh, Stephen, it's that I find it fascinating that we, you know, your sector really well. So you talk in solid foundation, and I go, well, what does that mean? And so it's actually work on getting the way you communicate the three things stable in time right it, you know that takes some and, and not, you, you sort of know what it is but it's are you communicating it in the right way using the right words in, in the right order to actually make sure you get to your because your client Stephen have a particular personality with that creative bent mm. and so on it's um are we using accounting language to talk to them or are we using creative language to talk to them we're absolutely not using accounting language to talk to them. Right. Yeah, I think mo most of these conversations, you know, uh, some of the most interesting ones I've had, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to sort of get invited to go to shows and, and, and you know, hang out backstage sure. and do all the cool stuff that oh, you would expect, yes. you know, otherwise. Why, why would, would you, you want to choose that sector? Yeah, why, okay. would you, why, why would you bother? <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but some of, the, some of the interesting conversations happen then. Yes. And, and sort of some of the anxieties do come wow. out. Um, and I think that's the point where you nurture what you say or you tailor what you say, depending on, you know, what, what it is. But it's all of those things. Those foundations that seem to be inherent in pretty much every single conversation. Yeah. But you have to reword them slightly differently depending on who you're talking to and, and the scenario and the situation, yeah. which is and, and you're right. There's something that can be done with the marketing message. And that is the key to yeah. this. Um, but the way that I found it and, and the, the success I've had is, is in those conversations and wrapping them around a conversation yeah. and, and actually connecting. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's not to say that there's a strategy to be had with sort of getting a sort of a more broader message out there to, you know, to scale something up. Yeah, but but I'm, I found the best success connecting. Yeah, and, a, and I'm, a I'm guessing you, a lot of your new work comes through referrals and recommendations as opposed to any other form of marketing. It all does, yeah, yeah, yeah really. Yeah, because of yeah. the nature of the beast. Um, um, and I'm certain that will play a role in your business as well. Emily, but it, it's um, what I find fascinating is you just finished with that. You know, it, it's about us connecting with our customers in the right way, which was very much you know Emily's point earlier about now, now everyone uses Zoom. We can connect, we can get closer, easier, faster, and more often. Um, and it's that the client understand knows we understand, we appreciate the 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 the. the how do I put this without swearing? The stuff they have to shovel uh, on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, you know, whether it be the, the cash pieces in your, your sector, Emily, and the uncertainty and that desire for a sense of security. But actually, what's interesting here is, Emily, you use the word uh, security and stability and, and certainty just as Stephen did. And I, 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 yeah, I've been arguing for 18 years that, you know, one of the fundamental uh, payoffs of working with a, a good accountancy firm is that, I, as a business owner, feel that sense of certainty and confidence in the future of me and my business. Um, and I think that is a cornerstone for potentially every accountancy firm, irrelevant and irrespective of niche, or if they're a broad, you know, multi-sector general practice. Um, well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I've got one last question for, for, for both of you. Of everything we've covered and you've listened to each other, um, if there was one thing that stands out of value for you and your firm based on what we've covered off on this call today, what would it be? What's what stood out that you think ah, I could should be doing a little bit more with that? Um, what's been of most value, Stephen? 
I would say this uh, foundational strategic principle that, you know, something that doesn't shift. Right. Um, something that, you, that, you know, that that is solid no matter what happens right. in, in, in the industry or what happens in, um, you know, the accounting industry and sort of the, the niche that you're operating in. And, and having something, you know, like having three pillars that or four pillars that hold up what you're doing. Brilliant. Um, I think that's, a, that's an outstanding way to sort of think about it. And I think that's quite... You know, and can you see how you know micro one percent improvements of your messaging around those three things stable in time? You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just having a recheck in every quarter, or off, more often if you want, is a way of just you know layering and, and fine tuning that messaging and reasserting mm-hmm. the fact that actually we have got the right three things stable in time. Because um, who mm. knows with what uh, the way things change that you know a pandemic can shift them maybe. Emily, what are your thoughts? What's that have been of most value to you and, and your firm? from this conversation today yeah there's lots of things but I think it's always um I think we can get so busy and caught up in our own strategy and our client strategy that we quite often or I do anyway forget to step back and look at the whole um, bigger strategy you know of course we all have over the pandemic um because you know it changed everything overnight didn't it all the business plans were getting changed and um, (laughs) I think they were just thrown out the window weren't they yeah (laughs) Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and new ones coming through and, and mm. things like that. But um, I think it's always good to, you know, remember to think of all those things and think in a broader term of what can impact. Because you're right, there are, um, you know, there's uh, trends impacting our own industry, our clients' industry, and they all merge and combine and mm. um, and produce something unique each time. So, yeah, it's, it's good to sit and reflect on those things, I think. It, and that's the, that is the power of, uh, in one sense, of strategy. Is it? It is a reflection piece. Um, and in a, in a in a later one of these uh, this series, we're going to talk uh, very deliberately about how do you get to a place where you've worked out your strategy, you've got all the elements mapped out, and and then you go right. But what do we do to turn that in something, into something real for our firm? And that's and that'll be all right. What what's our priority this quarter? And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do more work on that um, in, a, in, a, in another session with uh, an, another accountant or two. Um, well, folks, I really appreciate you taking time out and, uh, and sharing openly and candidly insights into your industry sectors, your firms. And um, uh, it's been really insightful. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Pleasure. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. Go to the show notes for this podcast and click the link to get access to the full series on strategy for accountants. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available.